Hello, and welcome to Sundays at Coastal. This week, Pastor Andy continues his sermon in Acts chapter 2. We often believe that confession and repentance lead to shame and guilt. The truth is we're already carrying shame and guilt. Confession and repentance allow us to be freed from the bondage and death of sin and walk in the endless mercy and tender affection of God. Are you ready for change? Welcome to our church. Can I remind us once again who we are and what we believe? There's always hope beyond our brokenness. Amen? Right now. Right now in the middle of all of the little hot messes of your life or your family's life or, or your kids or your grandkids, no matter where you guys are at, just know that there's always hope. You affirm that for Breeze and her family. I'm affirming that for you. Second, we're called to trust in our risen Savior because he really is alive and he really is here and he's really worthy of the full weight of our entire lives. And third, we get to bring restoration. And God is restoring so much right now. And our world is in desperate need of it. Amen? Amen. Each one of these truths, that there's hope beyond our brokenness, that we get to trust in our risen Savior and then join Jesus in his restoration work has a choice attached to it. And let's declare and proclaim that again. Even if you're online at home or listening in your car, say it loudly with me. We are disciples who intentionally with God. Therefore, I choose to be changed by Jesus. I choose to seek Jesus first, and I choose to join Jesus in his resurrection work. Amen? Hey, will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for your unending mercy. Once again, we bind up and mute anything opposed to Jesus that's here or where we are listening online now in the strong and powerful name of our Savior, Jesus. And we say to our own souls, awaken, O my soul. We're ready to hear. We're ready to listen. Father, push out the enemy so that we're not distracted and we can actually hear. Silence, any competing voice except yours, Jesus. We want to hear from you. We love you, Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Your heavenly Father is full of mercy. I'm getting some feedback. Can you guys hear that? Father, we need mercy on the sound system. Better? Great. Your heavenly Father is full of mercy. At the center of your heavenly Father's heart is compassion and mercy for you. If your heart is dead, he has mercy to make it alive. If your heart is broken, your Father has mercy to bind it and heal it and put it back together with gentleness and love. If you're stuck in life or in your sin or in a mindset, your Father has a garden of mercy growing to harvest all the forgiveness and all the redemption and 
all the repentance that you need to be set free and made new. When one of the 12 disciples, I love it, he's from Kuyama, uh, Philip, right? Which is no better than Nazareth, which is new, new Kuyama, right? Um, there's old and the new. Philip asked Jesus, are you going to show us the Father? And Jesus replied, read it with me. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus shows us exactly what our Heavenly Father's merciful heart is like for you. Your Father suffers for you. Your Father chooses you even when you get it all wrong. Your Father is passionate for your hope and your healing and your wholeness. Somebody say amen. Amen. Your Father is also not going to compromise the truth, just like Jesus didn't compromise the truth of what's actually going on in your heart. Our religiosity does not impress Jesus or God our Father. Amen? Amen. I don't want to say amen to that. (laughs) That's the religious answer, right? And if you're courageous enough to offer your Heavenly Father all of your heart, all the glory of who you are and all the brokenness of who you are, your Father will take those dark and twisty places of your wounds and turn them into the centerpieces of His glory and majesty. How? That's the Holy Spirit's job. The Holy Spirit is God the Father's very presence, His overwhelming love and mercy present with you, in you, closer to you than you are to yourself. That make sense? And we talked last week about how the Trinity is like water in the sense that that water is one essence, right? It's water, but it has three different forms, ice or vapor or liquid. And that's a poor analogy. A better analogy would be that we are like little trinities, right? We have one essence. Now, this is Andy, <laughs> right? But I have a mind and I have a body and I have a spirit, right? So I'm a, I'm a little trinity. But again, that analogy falls short because God... God, the God that we love and worship, is one essence, God, and three persons, full persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is with you and in you. And if you want to know your Father's heart and love and compassion for you, that's what the Holy Spirit is doing in you, revealing who our Father is like by showing us this spitting image of our Father and His name is Jesus. Picking up what I'm putting down? Your Heavenly Father is not far away like that awful Bette Midler song, right? God's not watching you from a distance. The moment that you invited the Holy Spirit into your heart when you confessed Jesus as your Savior, your Father made His heavenly home in your heart and mind and body and spirit. That's good news. Does that make sense? You can't fall away from God. God is always there with you, holding you, even if you're too stubborn to talk to Him. 
There's no such thing as backsliding, as though you were at a point and now you've slid back from there. You are always held in God's presence. His faithfulness to you never ends. Whether or not you believe it or whether or not you actually access this incredible banquet table called the love and mercy of God. Oh, I'm preaching now, y'all. That's not even in my notes, right? They have no idea what I'm saying right now. There's no slides to this. This is the Holy Spirit just telling me what to say to you. A week ago, we led a prayer retreat for 10 people. We're going to have another one in late August or early September. And these retreats have been momentous times of resurrection and healing, restoration, and then deep and profound fellowship. We start on Friday night by giving people an overview of how healing works. And just like when you go to the doctor's office to get healed, the first thing the doctor says is, where does it hurt? Right? And so we identify pain. So we give people a working definition of how pain or lies or sin, all kind of synonyms in some way or form or another, how it talks in our everyday life. And then we ask people to raise their hands if they can relate. And it was an amazing moment as everybody in that room had the same constellation of things going on in their lives. And as they raised their hands, tears began to fall. I'm wondering, would you have the courage that they had and be willing, you could just do this. If you wanna like do the half raise or the chicken, right? You can do that. But you could raise your hand. I'm only gonna give you five definitions of things going on. But if you'd be willing to raise your hand and just say, yeah, I can resonate with that, right? That's something that I, that I have dealt with that I am dealing with right now, right? But let's make it like it has to be since 1995. It can't be before that. That doesn't count, okay? All right? It's Jesus. Pick it up. So can I pray again real quick? Lord Jesus, help. We just, again, bind and mute anything opposed to Christ that's in this place that would be seeking to distract or bother us now in the name of Jesus. We love you, Lord. Help us now. Okay, here's the first definition. Anxiety. This is how anxiety talks in our life. I will lose control of people and situations, and I can't let Jesus have it. Anxiety in this sense is not a diagnosis. Some of you have actual, like an anxiety disorder. That's not what we're talking about. Anxiety is the job description that I put on myself to control everything and everyone around me because Jesus cannot or will not help. Can anybody relate? I'm not alone. I'm, I'm, this is mine. I'm raising my hand for me. How about, how about the next one? Control. You're allowed to groan when I do these things as well, okay? This is me trying to do everything on my own with no help from Jesus or anyone else. It's the pressure I feel on my shoulders to make it all happen. Can, does anybody relate with that? Look around, y'all. Look around. Some of you are too chicken to raise your hands. That's okay. That's okay. You're still in control. That's fine, right? And now, and now, third definition, you're mad at me, right? Here we go. Anger. You feel entitled to hold on to and lash out with harsh behavior or thoughts because you've been hurt or are feeling hurt. A lot of times, not justified. Oh. Ugh. Okay. We're going to go deeper. Okay. This is a risk. This is a risk. Go, come, go deeper with me if you'd like. Unloved. You don't deserve to get loved by Jesus or by anyone. There's nothing you can do, no behavior or mindset that will make it so that you are loved by Jesus or anyone else. This is mine. 
about the last, last one? This is even deeper. By the way, all of these are mine. This is mine. This is not something I dealt with in 1995. This is the constellation of wounds and issues that I'm dealing with in my life right now as a result of what has happened to me and the things that are happening in my life. Does that make sense? But you're a pastor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the hot mess of Coastal Community Church. Okay. Uh, toxic. Ready? Here it is. This is how this one talks. There's something inherently wrong with me, something I can never change, which will always contaminate and destroy the good things and relationships in my life. If I got close to people, I will ruin them. Oh, my gosh, you're not alone. You're not alone. Look around the room. You're not alone. The first three were easy. Everybody deals with those. But I took some risks. And thank you for raising your hand. And even if you didn't raise your hand and you think, man, man that, that feels right. Just know that you're not alone. When you know that you're not alone, there's hope. And all of us never just have one issue. Like the moment that you get married or have kids, you realize, oh, they got problems. <laughs> right? I mean, I have a problem, right? But they got problems, right? And our Heavenly Father, being fabulously rich in mercy, descends with power through the Holy Spirit to bring hope and healing to all of your issues, even mine. I mean, if Jesus can heal me, then he can heal you, yes? I've experienced profound healing in all of these areas in my life, and I know there's still more to go. And your heavenly Father has placed you in a church where there's an abundance of courage and resources to do this healing work, and I love it. This was the experience of every person on the day of Pentecost. This is what we read last week in the book of Acts. Peter preached like the wind, a junior high educated fisherman from Kentucky. That's Galilee. Okay, right? He's a rural, 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 right? Like so rural, people be like, y'all from around here are rural, right? That's Galilee, okay? And Peter, the junior high dropout, right? He said seventh grade is enough. And then he went to work for his dad, being a fisherman. Peter preaches like the wind, and he preached the hard news of the gospel, that all of those standing there that day had literally been part of the process, the crowds which had chanted out 50 days prior to crucify Jesus. What Jesus went through was unbearable on the cross. But what was even more unbearable was that everybody knew he was innocent and he knew he was innocent and the authorities knew he was innocent, and everybody chose a convicted murderer to die in his place. Talk about injustice, that's a bad day. When you're arrested for a crime that everybody knows you didn't commit, and then the person who committed the exact same crime gets let go, and you die. Yes? 
So Peter preaches the good news, this Messiah that you've been waiting for, this Messiah that you've been prepping for, this Messiah that you've been praying for, hoping for, wishing for, that you go to church every single week and you say, God, make me prepare my heart, prepare my life as a vessel so that when Messiah comes, when the Savior comes, I'll be ready to receive his kingdom and go do the things that the Messiah wants me to do. And then the Messiah comes and we yell out, crucify him. That's a bad day. Right? Santa Claus comes in and you shoot him because you think he's an intruder. Oh, dang. Sorry, son. Sorry, daughter. No presents this year or any year after. That's a bad day. And yet, Peter preaches in the gospel that each one of you is more loved than you could ever dare to hope because the death of Jesus wasn't the end. No, he defeated sin and death, rose again, and now he proclaims his love and forgiveness for each one of us who would trust him. And 3,000 people on Pentecost Sunday raised their hands and said, that's me. I'm, I'm the one with the anger problems. I'm the one with the unloved problems. I'm the one with the control problems. I'm the one whose who's sin pinned Jesus to the cross. And they fell to the knees. Now, plenty of other people there were like, nah, not me. These people are drunk. I don't, it, that's not me. No, I didn't do that. Verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and, P and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, what shall we do? What shall we do? So we had a friend to go to the prayer retreat and then uh, Zed's mom, Debbie, who we've been friends, April and I have been friends with her for almost two decades now. Um, we, Debbie and I lead the prayer retreats together. And so we were following up and having conversation with one of, the, one of our friends from the prayer retreat. And, uh, and she didn't want to pray much in the prayer retreat. She was, she was pretty good. Um, that's what she said. I'm, I'm good. Uh, and we were, as we were talking, we said, so what, tell me, why were, you, why were you worried about praying? She said, well, because... I thought that my issues were worse than anybody else's issues. And one of the things that Debbie said, which I just loved, is that only Christians think that there are levels to sin. And that's not what it says in the Bible at all. Sin is sin is sin is sin is sin. Yeah, there's different consequences, like in our legal system for different sins, but in God's eyes, all sin is death. But only us have certain sins that we're totally fine with, right? Oh, yeah, everybody can be greedy. That's fine, right? But if that skirt is too short, ooh. No, 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 no. All sin is sin. And I'm not saying short skirts are sin. I'm just saying that all sin is sin. Picking up what I'm putting down? So we said this to our friend and she just sits back thunderstruck and she goes, oh my gosh, I've just said that all my issues are worse than anybody else's issues. And then as she spilled her guts and we prayed for her, she felt a million pounds lighter and she was just, she was so delighted and, and she realized 
all the stuff that she was carrying, she, she literally quoted Acts chapter 2, verse 37, and she looked at Debbie and I and said, brother and sister, what do I do? What do I do? And so we just led her through what Peter said to do, which is confess and then get baptized, a.k.a. be cleansed completely. Zedekiah said this earlier in the worship service, but let me say it again in maybe different words to you. Confession and repentance are not heavy tasks laden with shame. They are the very prayers that lift the shame so love can descend. Read this next one with me. Confession is not the weight of God's disappointment. Confession is the prayer through which you experience your Heavenly Father's endless mercy and tender affection. But what do we do with our kids? We make confession or telling the truth or full of shame and anxiety. That's not what God does at all. We get so defensive when we're confronted. Why? Because I don't fully believe this. Next slide. Read this with me. Loudly. Put, put some pepper on it for the online people. They're not convinced. Repentance is not the moment when you're beaten with your worthlessness, but the prayer by which the Holy Spirit confirms your infinite worth as God's beloved. Oh, Shazam. What? Yes. This is why as Christians, when, when somebody says, here's how sin or lies or whatever, evil talks in your life, we don't hesitate to put our hands down. We just say, yep, that's me. Like everybody on Pentecost. Why? Because it's freedom. It's freedom. It's freedom. Talk to any addict. The first thing that they'll tell you is saying, I have to confess. I have to admit I'm the issue. That's where freedom starts. So the Holy Spirit falls on 3,000 plus people. The church is formed. And when God enters your life and you realize, oh my gosh, there's all these other people that have raised their hands too, the first thing you want to do is talk. Read verse 42 with me. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the prayers. This is what we do each week. We listen to the teachings of the apostles written in the Bible, which is the, which is the gospel, the good news, right? We see how Jesus is the fulfillment of every single prophecy in the Old Testament about who the Messiah is going to be. And Jesus fully reveals who our Heavenly Father is. And Jesus, the Holy Spirit, literally reveals who Jesus is so that we could know the endless mercy and heart of our Heavenly Father. And then what do we do? We fellowship. Hold that word just for a moment. Let me get to the next word. And then what do we do? Y'all, we're going to have apple pie today. Oh, we know how to break bread, right? Outside, apple pie and ice cream on July 3rd. Yes, we, we, we know what we're doing at this church. Amen? Right? We eat, right? And then I lie to you every week and say, there's no calories involved. Of course there is. But let's eat anyways. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah, I'm comfortable with my weight. Uh-huh. Yes. And then what do we do? And we pray together. Of course we pray together. Now, that word fellowship, you might have heard that word before. It's the Greek word koinonia. 
And koinonia is always a group of people in the New Testament who are gathered together and they're always doing one thing. They are being generous. That's what fellowship is. It's generosity. It's generosity of our vulnerability. We raise our hands. It's generosity of, let me break bread with you. Come to my house for dinner. It's generosity of, how can I pray for you? What can I do for you? How can I help you? It's generosity of, here's my resources, my money, my time, my talents, my gifts. Our fellowship is based on generosity and generosity alone. And somehow the American church has messed that up since 1990. I don't know why we did this, but we turned church into a product. We turned church into something that you go to and say, well, I don't like the music. I wish they didn't have drums. I wish they had more drums. He sings too loud. She doesn't sing loud enough. I think I'll go to a church where I like their product more. Oh, they have a better playground for my kids. Oh, their youth group is less annoying than our youth group. Oh, there's seven kids in our youth group, so I'll go to the, no, I want the one with 40 kids. They're all pagans, but I don't care. There's 40 of them. <laughs> right? So what, what we, we go to a church as though we're shopping for something. That is not koinonia. That's just called capitalism where we think that a church's function is to serve me. That's not fellowship. Fellowship is how can I be radically generous to these people, my brothers and sisters, who had the courage to raise their hand. Make sense? Verse 43. What happens when we're generous with each other, when we eat ice cream and pie, pray, and hear the gospel? Are you ready? Read with me loudly. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Yeah, awe is right. Last week, because you give to the deacon fund, which helps people in our church, Last week, you helped a family avoid homelessness. Ah, oh. oh. That's what you did last week. How much money was in the deacon fund at that point? I think over 11 grand. How much money is in the deacon fund right now? Zero dollars. Why? Because we give it all away. And you know what happens? Awe spreads through this church all the time. Awe spreads through the church all the time. Last week, a member of our church came up to me in tears telling me about how one of her patients, she's a PA in a pediatrician's office, had just wrecked her. This little boy just had gone through hell, literally been in the house with his mom after she passed. And she comes to me crying. She says, I don't know what to do with this patient. And I said, and, and then she starts weeping even more, and she says, I, I saw him today here at church. And I said, she goes, all I want to do is be generous. And I said, well, you can, because that's what we do as a church. 
That's what we do as a church. And our church is just poured, you don't even know, but we poured out because of your generosity. When you put things in the box, we've poured out resources upon this family and we're watching this little, be- little boy get put back together again and it's awesome. And now he's gonna grow up in a church where his doctor and his teachers and his friends and his mentors have been with him every step of this journey of his life. Ah, ah, yeah, ah. Only God can do this. Only God does this. This is what happens. Verse 24, and what they were doing? They were selling their possessions, eBay, right? And belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. What do you need? We can help. I know we can. We've helped so much. It's awe upon awe upon awe upon awe of what God is doing in and through this church because we are in awe of Jesus' incredible love for us because Jesus took all of his possessions and all of his belongings and all the riches of heaven and he laid them all down and he said, I'm going to give them all away to you and me. And he became poor so that we could become rich. And he became our death so we could have his life. Somebody say amen, I'm preaching now. Verse 46, and day by day, attending the temple together, that's a practical issue. There's only one place in Jerusalem where you can gather 5,000 plus people and not have it be conspicuous or need a permit. That's at the 36-acre temple complex public park called the temple. Make sense? And, and what they do, it's hard to have a church of 5,000 plus people because it's not just 3,000 people. That's the men on that day. So with their families, it's at least 5,000 plus. It's hard to get to know 5,000 people. So what they do? And day by day, attending temple together and breaking bread in there. Hmm. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those that were being saved. They opened the doors of their homes. This is what you do together. You open the doors of your homes and you say, come on in. And all of a sudden, the beauty of your hospitality changes people's lives. So this fall, we're training more small group leaders. Why? Because y'all are hungry for that. We want every single one of you to be, have the chance to either host or be in someone's home and have fellowship there. Incredible. See, the Holy Spirit reveals who Jesus is. And then the Holy Spirit says, raise your hand. To confess, to repent, to experience your Heavenly Father's overwhelming love and mercy. And then the Holy Spirit is going to put you in a community, a generous community, where every single one of your deep needs will be met. That's pretty sweet. (laughs) And then in today, right now, what the Holy Spirit will do as you receive communion is the Holy Spirit's going to affirm the deep and profound truth that your heavenly Father is absolutely head over heels in love with you.
So as I pray, I want to invite our deacons and our prayer team, our worship team, to come back up. Last week, I asked you if you'd be willing to receive the Holy Spirit. And this week, I'm going to ask you if you'd be willing to receive this church as a place where you'd, you'd receive our generosity. And, and would you be willing to be a part of this church and generously give your life to the people within it and to our community? Will you? Yes. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you for giving every part of your body as a willing sacrifice so that we might be forgiven and united with our Heavenly Father and saved. And Lord, as we receive this communion this morning, this bread and this cup, we say yes once again. We raise our hands once again and say, Jesus, we have things inside of us that need to be healed. Jesus, and we know and believe of your unending mercy and overwhelming love for us. And all God's people said, amen. amen. So our, what's going to happen is that we're going to invite you guys. Uh, this, this side of the sanctuary is going to come through here. And you're going to receive the bread first and then the cup. The cup doesn't have one of those nasty wafers. It's just a, it's just a cup. Okay? Um, and you can eat the bread right where you are and then come back to your seat and take the cup at any time. And then this side of the sanctuary, you're going to come here with Nancy and I. But before we do that, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread after giving thanks and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. Take, eat of it and remember me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup was a promise in the Seder meal that God would redeem you with outstretched hands and mighty acts of judgment. And he said, this cup is now in my blood. The judgment that you and I deserve, he freely takes for you. So as we come forward in communion, Know that you are loved, forgiven, and home. Amen? Amen. Let's continue to worship. Would you stand for the benediction? You guys, I'm so excited. I hope you come to the park for barbecue. Enjoy the pie and ice cream outside of your online. We love you. We're so grateful for you. Now receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you. That's his delight in you. And give you the peace that passes all understanding for his mercy is new every morning and will never let you go. God bless you, my friends. Have a great day and happy 4th of July. Pastor Andy Rock is the senior pastor Coastal Community Church. It's located in Grover Beach, California, and serves communities across the Central Coast. Join us online each week on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for our weekly live stream. 
We also have two in-person services at 9 a.m. and 10.40 a.m. in our sanctuary. Coastal Community Church is located at 1830 Farrell Road, Grover Beach, California. For more information, visit our website, www.mycoastal.org. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you have a great week.